Welcome to Rising Femme, a podcast dedicated to helping you rise higher in all areas of your life and leadership. I'm your host, therapist and mindset business success coach, Monique Harding. Over the last seven years, I've mentored thousands of ambitious visionaries and purpose-led leaders looking to expand their income and their impact, embody their fullness, and connect with their true north. I'll be bringing you some of my favorite thought leaders, cozy solo riffs that mess with your stuck thinking, and powerful story shares across all things business, relationships, money, and more. If you're a bold, big dreaming woman ready to unlock your highest potential with confidence and unshakable self-belief, settle in. Let's get into today's episode. Hi there. Welcome back. Hope you are doing so well. Funny story. This is actually my second time recording this particular episode. I sent it off to my podcast team last week and they came back to me today to let me know that the recording hadn't in fact worked and the audio was completely blank. And I just had the biggest giggle to myself because of course, it was going to happen on this particular episode. And once we start to dive a little bit more into the topic, I think that you will probably find that quite amusing as well. Because what I want to talk to you today is about the topic of imposter syndrome. And my experience of imposter syndrome has been strongest of late in the process of launching this podcast. So of course, this was going to be the episode that didn't quite work that I had to return to recording. If that's not a universal message for me to integrate this information even more, to dive deeper into it even more, I don't know what is. So I'm paying attention, I'm recording it again, and I'm bringing it back to you because obviously it is a topic that is really, really needed. Today, I'm going to share with you my top four tips for overcoming imposter syndrome. But before we get into that, I really want to solo riff for you a little while on how we think about imposter syndrome, how we understand it, how we experience it. Because I know sometimes when you hear about things explained in a different way, that is often the small little one to two percent insight that you need to shift out of stuck thinking or for your mind to almost expand in a way that you're able to solve your own challenges, to solve your own problems. So I hope that this episode offers you that in listening to it. Now, what is imposter syndrome? Probably important that we get a bit of a universal definition first so we all know what we're talking about. It's really common in the human experience. However, it is found to be more common in particular groups of people more so than others. And one of those particular groups of people is female leaders. Now, in fact, 75% of female leaders report experiencing imposter syndrome, which is just wild to me. 
So what is it? Well, you can kind of think about it as feeling like a bit of a fraud. You know, it's commonly linked with thoughts of not feeling deserving of what you've achieved, of almost like worrying like one day you'll be found out like this is all just a big game and you're not quite as qualified, you're not quite as smart as what everybody thinks that you you are. You're not you're not quite equipped to be able to do the things that you're doing. So it's riddled with self-doubt um, and I guess the experience of lack of feeling like you're you're not quite enough. I wanted to talk about it though because it's such a common topic with the women that I work with, the women that I coach and to be honest they are what I would call high performers. They wouldn't necessarily identify with that label um, but the reason why they don't identify with that label and really own it is because of this very phenomena known as imposter syndrome. So today we're going to understand imposter syndrome, look into a bit around rethinking it and then talk about the four ways to overcome your unique experience of imposter syndrome. Now, why do you want to work on it? Like I think some people almost internalize this as just being a bit of a belief system for them as something that, well, if I didn't doubt myself, if I didn't question my ability, then I wouldn't strive for more, which is just simply not the case. I think if you're sitting there telling yourself that, I'm going to lovingly call BS on you and that in that very way of thinking, I am going to make a guess that you are already an incredibly driven human being who is striving for excellence and that those traits exist within you, whether you are crippling yourself with self-doubt and imposter syndrome or not. The reason why you want to work on this is because it helps you to reduce comparison. It allows you to just feel more joy in your work, joy in your experience of life. And it really promotes confidence and really allows you to fully own and step into your potential. Now, before I get into the four ways, I think it's important to just note the language here and the impact that it has on people's experience of imposter syndrome. I'm going to unpack this a little bit more in terms of linguistics, language, the way we talk about things, how much that matters in another episode. But for now, I think it's important to just acknowledge that referring to something as a syndrome implies that it's very pathological, yeah, which is just simply not the case. You know, I think of what we refer to as imposter syndrome as some interesting ideas that we hold of ourselves, which feels a lot more freeing. It creates more movability. It creates possibility. It helps give us a bit of distance from our experience. So then we can we can actually change these ideas or we can adopt some new ones. It, it really feels more empowering, I think, than identifying as somebody who has a particular syndrome. It almost implies then it needs to be treated in some way, shape or form. And the research around this, which has been going for some time now, has consistently shown that imposter syndrome is most common amongst high-achieving women. So women in leadership, business owners, people who to the outside world would meet the definition of societal success in some way, shape or form. 
However, I actually often wonder with these gendered statistics if it may be more of a case of women being more likely to be open about their experience of imposter syndrome than men. That's just an idea. Look, it could be linked to patriarchal ideas, ideologies, the comparison of men and women in the workplace. Who knows? Um, But I certainly think that there is a lot of evidence to suggest that women are more vocal in terms of speaking about these difficult feelings, difficult thoughts that they experience across all areas of their life than what men are. In terms of where it comes from, it's a really interesting thing to start to explore. You know, often there is a strong link to our growing up experience. Now, we know that grown up children, so adults, (laughs) who have come from families that there was a overpraise or an underpraise, so almost like too much praise for things like you could do no wrong um, or no acknowledgement when you are putting in huge amounts of effort so kind of opposite ends of the spectrum they are actually both more likely to experience self-doubt imposter syndrome questioning themselves in things that they are clearly qualified and capable of which is really interesting because I think often people assume that it would be one particular experience of those that would lead to imposter syndrome almost the people that have never had that validation but like anything when it comes to psychology either end of an extreme is rarely good for you. We're always trying to be a bit more in the middle in terms of that balanced both and approach. Now, my top recommendation, so four different ways that I consistently work with my clients to overcome imposter syndrome. Now, consistent to all of these before I get into them, so any of the tools I'm speaking to, the processes, the ways to overcome it, They're all underpinned by the idea of raising your awareness around your unique experience of imposter syndrome. I can't drill that in enough that it all starts with awareness. It all starts with understanding. When we understand the problem better, it's almost like when we define the problem better, we're way closer to solving it than what we would be if we just started to pull different techniques tools, processes off the shelf and give them a go. So always start with that awareness piece. Now, the first way that you can work to overcome imposter syndrome is what I call zooming out to zoom in. So this is where you take a helicopter view of the situation in which you're experiencing imposter syndrome and make it bigger than the experience of your eyes. So we zoom out, take more of a helicopter view to consider how other people are perceiving you, how other people are experiencing your behavior in the situation. So let's take a classic example of a service provider. Maybe you're a coach or a consultant and you have just signed a new client. They're your dream client. They are intelligent. They are a visionary. You know that 
there is the potential to do some great work together and then the imposter syndrome hits. It's like you start to have these sneaky little thoughts around, oh, maybe I'm not smart enough to provide that service to this person. Maybe they will catch on that they should have actually gone and worked with so-and-so at X, Y, and Z agency. And all of a sudden you're crippled with self-doubt and you have worked yourself up into a tizzy as to whether you're the right person for the job. Zooming out to zoom in is where you start to look at this through the eyes of the other person. So if you see your clients as being sovereign beings, if you consider that person that has made the decision to choose you as a sovereign being who is intelligent, who makes high value decisions, who has high value thoughts, then you acknowledge that they chose you. That means that you believing that you are not competent in supporting them is actually you attacking their decision-making process, right? Because it's almost like, oh, how stupid of them to choose me. Little do they know I'm actually really bad at so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so. So I think the zooming out to zooming in can really help us create different perspectives, think about it from different angles and particularly when it might be imposter syndrome around new clients, taking on work that maybe you haven't done before, really thinking about it in terms of, okay, well, the other person has seen something in me. The other person clearly has gone through their own decision-making process and has decided that I am the best person for the job. So I need to respect that and step into my CEO psychology and deliver on what I have been recruited, hired, engaged to do. So that's the first one, zooming out to zoom in. The second way to overcome imposter syndrome is to ask yourself, am I operating from an old version of myself? Have I been through a recent up level or expansion or growth process or change that is in fact, calling on me to update my identity. You're going to hear me talk about this a lot in this podcast, that our brain is a historical organ. It uses the past to determine whether things are safe for us. It uses the past to determine what to do in any given moment. You know, there are so many times when you are on that autopilot where you walk into situations and you do things totally unconsciously just because your brain is operating from memory. It's assuming that it knows what to do. It also does this with things such as uh, emotion, like identity, like more of your intrapsychic um, concepts as well. So keeping that in mind, we are very prone to operating from these outdated models, these old versions of ourselves. So often imposter syndrome can actually be you being called to update your identity, to update your ideas of what you are qualified in, what you are capable of. It's a really common experience when we're going through change, when we're in that adjustment phase of really starting to step in and own our new reality. So asking yourself, is it imposter syndrome or is it just a lack of familiarity 
It's a really powerful question for you to anchor into if you're experiencing imposter syndrome. Now, the third way to overcome imposter syndrome is to really anchor into the paradox of it, right? Now, I'll dive into this a little bit more. So the paradox, or you could even call it a slight reframe. And that this is probably my personal favorite way of really inviting imposter syndrome in and certainly the way that I have moved through it in terms of this particular uh, project being the podcast that I so badly wanted to birth out into the world but experienced such incredible self-doubt around whether people would want to listen to it, whether I could add value, who am I to share my thoughts um, and all of those silly little things that uh, pop into your mind. And I used the paradox that I actually want to experience a bit of imposter syndrome. Now, stay with me. I want to experience a bit of it because it means that I'm continuing to grow and develop. If I was constantly in my comfort zone, if I was always just sitting there comfy as doing the things that I can almost do completely unconsciously that don't stretch me or help me grow, then there is absolutely no imposter syndrome present there because it's not new to me. It's not stretchy, right? So a bit of self-doubt actually helps me achieve, yeah? The paradox of imposter syndrome is that the moment you stop feeling it, it shows that you are no longer actualizing your potential. You are no longer growing. And that's why I like to think of imposter syndrome as a reflection of me growing and expanding. It's an outdated idea of myself. So remember, when you're experiencing imposter syndrome, it is in fact because you are aligned to a big mission. It means that you are progressing, you're growing, you're expanding. Quite the reframe, huh? I'll let that one sink in for a moment. Now, the fourth and final way that I work with my clients to overcome imposter syndrome is through what I call a logical assessment. Now, this is where we get a little bit more cognitive, a bit more evidence-based, a bit more um, logic aligned, I guess. And that is through actually sitting down and looking at this head-on. And by head-on, I mean asking yourself, are there actually some legitimate growth areas that you need to lean into? You know, sometimes imposter syndrome isn't all about... um, isn't all just made up, you know, psychology and security in your mind. Like sometimes it's actually can be coming up as a bit of a messenger for you. Maybe there is actual some fact underneath this. Sometimes we need a bit of uh, upskilling. We might need to train a bit more in a certain area to feel more competent. So that is always something that I encourage my clients to ask themselves, that I will ask them in coaching sessions around, is there something that you could do to build your confidence in this particular area. Now, the key here is if the answer is just time, then that kind of reflects back that it's a mindset piece, right? Because time in itself doesn't actually really do a lot, right? It's like what you do with that time. So we want the answer to building confidence and what would it take to be 
really measurable, really behavioral, and really specific. So get specific, challenge yourself. And remember, if you can't come up with anything tangible, then it's likely a mindset block and that the three hacks that I spoke to initially in this podcast are going to be more supportive of you in your current experience of imposter syndrome. Now, like anything, you have to practice these things, right? You have to create consistency and the more you do them, then the more likely your experience of imposter syndrome, the strength in which it affects you is going to decrease, which is a great thing. I mean, ideally, the experience can come, the thoughts can come, but it's the non-attachment to them, which is actually the thing that's going to allow you to move forward. So just to recap, the four different ways that we talked about to overcome imposter syndrome, zooming out to zoom in, asking yourself if you are operating from an old template, an old version of you, and if it needs updating, Third, anchoring in to the paradox of actually wanting to experience imposter syndrome, of it being a reflection of your growth, of your expansion, of your up level. And finally, the logical assessment. So checking in if there are some things you need to do, if there are some gap areas in your skill set, in your expertise that need developing. Remember, like anything, you have to practice these things, yeah? So create consistency around them. Make some notes from the podcast, pop it in the imposter syndrome, uh, file in your little journal, in your notes, so that next time you are experiencing self-doubt, if you are experiencing any of the thoughts that we've covered off today that are commonly found when somebody is in that imposter syndrome headspace, you can quickly pop back to it and try out some of these different techniques. I hope that it's been helpful. I would love to hear anything that you are taking away from the episode in terms of new ideas or ways of thinking about imposter syndrome. Have loved having this conversation with you and I will see you next week on the Rising Femme podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope that you have gained some new insight and ideas from today's episode. I would love nothing more than to hear from you. Tell me your greatest takeaway, how you're going to apply it, and why not share it in a review? It is honestly the biggest compliment that you can give to rate and review or share this with your people on Instagram. And if you want more, you might like to check out my website, moniquearding.co. You can get a free copy of my quiz to identify the one area that you're needing to work on now in order to increase your impact and income and level up in your life. Big love and I'll see you next week.